there with Super Couch. Remember Super Couch? <laughs> which, which was just <laughs> two mattresses. Two mattresses. <laughs> Terrible to lay on because you're always at like a right angle. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you this very evening? Nagy, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I wouldn't say that I'm wonderful. Um, you know, obviously a hard weekend to live with. Mm. Wallabies went down. Knights went down, as is tradition. All the sporting teams I love <laughs> just went to hell. Wanderers lost. Yeah. It's kind of... Uh, the, the weekend was an, a very apt summary of the last few years yes. of my um, sporting life. Yes. No, it wasn't, wasn't fantastic. It wasn't the result we wanted uh, heading down there to Shark Park on the Sunday 2 o'clock game. Uh, yeah, I think coming off the win against Penrith, we all thought that there could have been something there that we spirits were high, the place was singing, the yeah. town was buzzing. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, and I was really looking forward to it because it looked like they weren't going to put a lot of points on us. And I thought, well, look how far we've come. Uh, and then they put a lot of points on us. And so, <laughs> look how far we came in sixty minutes, uh, which is still better than. Not coming far in sixty minutes. Yeah, no. Look, it was a bit of a look. It was a gritty game for a lot of it, and uh, they end Which up. Which the sharks are good at. They they're good at grit. Uh, they're gritty men. Um, it's a gritty place, Cronulla as well. Uh, it's all that salt air. Uh, yeah, it rusts <laughs> everything, and everything decays. And yeah, unfortunately, their defence didn't decay, um, and held pretty strong. Lima, what went right for you that game? Look, a few things actually did go right. I think the scoreline, while not. You know, flattering the sharks. I don't think the scoreline reflected it how fav- much we were in it. It heavily the favoured 60- the sharks. Yeah, it did. I would say, yeah. But a few things did go right. Um, a couple of their real strike players, Andrew Fafita and Josh Dugan. You know, we know what to expect out of Andrew yeah. Fafita. There's big numbers. There's huge performance. But the Knights' defence managed to contain him pretty well. He still got his big numbers. He still ran really hard. Drew in a lot of players, but he wasn't able to generate tries or anything off his offloading game which he usually does we're getting numbers in the tackle and despite his huge effort I don't think he had the explosive impact that um, other teams are used to yeah. coming up against Andrew Fafita so I thought they did a good job on him Corey Dennis did a good job on Do- Josh Dugan as well I thought it was one of Dennis's best games in first grade actually he was very solid out there because Dugan was going out in plenty and uh, I thought he did a good job um, and the goal line defense was generally pretty good all of the Cronulla tries came out wide or off second phase play. When we had to defend the line, especially with 12 men when Aiden Guerra was off, I thought the uh, the defensive line held pretty strong. And again, they were showing signs that Cronulla couldn't get through us through the middle, which yeah. has been a big problem in the last few years. And I think that middle is really starting to get shored up. So, you know, there was a few... Things that went right. Another one was the hard work of uh, a couple of members of the back five. We've got Ken Seo, Sean Kenny Dowell, and Corey Dennis really working hard to get us out of yardage. And Mitch Pierce's kicking game was excellent again. So there were a few things that went right throughout that game. I think that we lost we lost the the middle battle. I think you know in the middle third of the field, as as everyone speaks about this day and age, the middle third, the, the important third, where um, you know where where the Ford battle is won and lost, and I think we lost it. Mm. Uh, and we can, and we really started to drop off as fatigue set in late in the second half. But 
Um, you know, as far as what went wrong, Liam, I think, you know, losing uh, two key players in Connor Watson coming back after a month off uh, with, with a groin injury to re-injure that groin is a real worrying sign. And uh, if this was in the middle of uh, the season... Uh, I think we would be looking at like a long stint without him, um, even though we did lose him for long stints for, with, for different things. But uh, if you look at someone like Nathan Ross, for example, does the groin, comes back, does the groin again, don't see him again. Um, and that's been, uh, what, it feels like six weeks or something. It's been now. a long time since Ross injured his groin. And just for listeners out there, we do remember that this is the lower groin he's injured. It's not mm. the upper groin that we discussed upper, earlier in the year. The upper groin, yeah. You've got yeah. your two upper groins. Because Mitchell Pierce did his... Uh, his Mitchell Pierce did his, his top groin. His top groin, yeah. Connor Watson, however, has injured his bottom groin. Bottom groin which yeah. is the leg groin leg um, groin <laughs> rather than the arm groin yeah no it was uh very sad to see uh Lockie Fitz who's been such an outstanding player all season um possibly robbed of uh will, he will be robbed of an old boys day um I don't think I'm embellishing too much by saying I don't think he'll be selected uh do you think well, embellishing is also our word of the week it's a very it's, good it's, word uh, Maggie. embellishing embellishing to embellish to embellish um and uh it's it, it's it was a very bad head knock. It was a friendly fire from Josh King um, coming around. And it was those classic sort of, uh, you know, both taking a player and spinning around and you almost catapult yourselves. And because the arms are both locked up, you're just sort of catapulting with your head straight forward. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a bad knock of angle. It was one of the worst head knocks I've seen. Um, For any science fans out there, that was the result of centripetal... No, centrifugal force. Centrifugal. The centrifugal force of the two players... Coming around the outside, I believe the tackled player is the fulcrum point. Yes. And then the two players coming around, because they're far from the fulcrum point, you gain extra speed. As opposed to centripetal motion, which yeah. is uh, closer to the fulcrum. <laughs> For that, I was, I was really, I went to bed last night. I thought, how? How did it all happen? <laughs> That's how it happened. Thank you, Blaine. Scientific explanation. <laughs> there was a couple of problems, though, Nagy. Yeah. Again, without Ponga, we're starting to show the Knights looked a bit directionless inside the attacking 20 there was no one really straightening and what we saw when we finally did straighten the attack was that that great try from Dan Safidi and it mirrored closely last week's try from Sione Matadio with quick hands straight running lines you find a gap but that's happening all together too rarely so we've shown once you straighten the attack you can get through the middle but it just wasn't happening enough there was too much crabbing across field trying to find a gap without capitalizing and pushing through the middle so i thought that was a worry that yeah. the knights without ponga looked just not overly threatening in attack especially when we lost connor watson you saw mitchell pierce um he was just lost without um you know he, he would use nick meany in like the the third and fourth as a bit of a runner and then it, you could see he just didn't have anywhere to, to to go to for a strike play and he ended up um sort of dumbing and running himself a lot and like, you know, Pierce is a great runner of the ball. He's one of the, the better um, half runners on his day. But that you need to have those options out wide uh, and you need a little bit more direction. And I think we've, you know, <clears throat> you can definitely tell it's a different side without Slade Griffin. Um, and Danny Levi obviously plays a very different game. Uh, it's, it, you know, but it was a game of, I think, you know, two halves. I thought in the first half, um, with all, all that went against us, uh, which was mainly the penalties. And this is something that I'll, I'll touch on quite heavily because uh, <coughs> the penalties... Touch heavily, please do. Yeah, it was a really firm touch. Um, so prepare for <laughs> it. There was 12, 12 penalties in the first half. Nine of them were against the Knights. Uh, and it, I, you look at the two teams and it obviously, like, you know, you could say you didn't get the rub of the green. It was on the... It was on, you know, at Shark Park. Uh, but it was just ridiculous at some points. And I think that was really... Uh, really shown when we got Aiden Guerra sent for the you know the the multiple 
um, penalties, infringements. infringements in a row. And then there was the warning. And then I just feel now, I feel like now when there's multiple and then a sin bin, it's it's like when you've given that warning, the ref is now looking for the next penalty instead of looking at the game. They're, they've made the decision that, all right, I'm, I'm going to send someone now and I have to make a point of it. And because if you look at the Guerra penalty that um, got him in the bin, it was a, a pretty soft penalty. And I don't think if that was if that was the first uh, of the infringements, that wouldn't have been a penalty. But it's almost like they they build and they sort of uh, they play on each other, and then you get this sort of this penalty beast. It's a knock-on effect, if you will. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. penalty starts, Ex- and then it it just snowballs. Now. Snowballs. What's the word when it's extramental? Extra. Extra penalties. Extra penalties. <laughs> Extra More penal- penalties. More penalties. That'll be our word of the, the week, week next week. If you <laughs> listeners can tell us what word Nagy's thinking of, that'll be. <laughs> you know, it's like if there was a zombie apocalypse. Yes. And then uh, you know, and then if you know, I bite you, and then one other person, then those two people. Incremental. Bite you. Incremental. Is that incremental? Exponential. Exponential. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we got there in the Should end. Should we do guys. two words of the week this week, Nagy? Yeah, let's do it. Ex. Ex. Exponential. Exponential. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Nagy. Thank well you done. Very much. But we just couldn't handle the Sharks' power game. No. I mean, they were, like you said, they won the battle in the middle third. They outrun us. They outrun uh, the Knights 1,851 run metres to 1,279. Yeah. That is a considerable gap. But again, it was built on the back of having a lot of possession from those penalties. And Nathan Brown said something interesting in the press conference. Yeah. I'm going to touch on this because you just discussed the refereeing. The first question to him was, oh, well, what did you think about the officiating? As is the first question for every game. And uh, he said, look, all he'll really say about it is that Cronulla are a very experienced team of old heads, people yeah. with gamesmanship who know what to do, when to do, playing in front of a home crowd. And he said, maybe not the game that should be given to a rookie referee might have been a bit overawed, didn't want to penalise, you know, the old rough-and-tumble blokes who'd probably beat him up after the game yeah. uh, if they disagreed with one of his calls. And I think Brownie may have a fair point there. I ju- it just didn't feel like the two teams were being uh, penalised equally. equally. Yeah, and that- uh, Mitch Pearce obviously had his big blow-up at the ref when Guerra was sent off. I'm inclined to agree. Yes, no, with, well, with a, Mitchell, he had a case. He had a case to and like very if, good case. If he said nothing, everyone would have said like, "Oh, we, sh- you know, we should have at least pleaded a case." But it was t- too late by that point. Uh, obviously, it never went back the other way, and we never really saw the swing when it finished with five twelve. Um, so there was much less penalty. Twelve penalties in the first half, and only five in the second. Um, so that pretty crazy. Mm. Um, and it was just, you know, for the amount of ball that, that Cronulla got, I think they got out of jail uh, a lot of times. Well, they didn't, like, they just got piggybacked up the field a lot of times. Um, and a lot of those penalties came, like, inside their 30, and it was just like, and now they're in an attacking play. It, it, it just didn't seem, uh, did, didn't seem fair. But uh, then, even when they didn't get piggybacked up the field, one other thing that Cronulla did remarkably well, and that they've been known to do remarkably well, is they play the transitions unbelievably. They'll, you know, receive the ball in a kick on the last tackle, they'll turn their defense into attack. They counter-attack off the back of a kick or the couple of charge downs they did. They're so good at, you know, sustaining pressure, sustaining pressure, and then bam, just breaking out the second they touch the ball. Yeah. And that's what really, I think, put paid to the to the Knights. You know, we were hanging in there, we were sticking it to them, but then every time they'd get a turnover, be it a kick on the last, one of their charge downs, or just a slight error from the Knights, they would just rush their way upfield and all of a sudden they're on the attack. Mm. Especially with the the Wade Graham charge down. You know, he chased the ball down thirty meters and I think they scored not long after. It's they play those transitions so well. So if you have the slightest error, bam, they're down attacking a try line before you even know it. And they did that remarkably well 
on the weekend and it just it makes it so hard to to beat a team when you're applying pressure applying pressure and then your slightest weakness they just pounce it was a big reshuffle in defense uh as well as you know jamie Vera going to the center role uh sione um playing five eight uh which was obviously a, a new role for him he hasn't done that since last year against uh the cowboys i believe up there he wore the number six uh but not known as a five eight and he it was it was a very interesting like you know it was a very interesting reshuffle. We even saw Luke Yates going to uh, going to the hooking role, um, somewhere where he's trained at last year, but he's never had a first grade opportunity to do so, and it showed. Um, it did. His passing game was not great. Yeah, it looked like he was caught up in the moment. Also, what didn't help him was because we didn't have uh, Watson or Ponga there as uh, ball players, and it was only Pierce. You saw when Pierce tried to take the game back through his kicking, which he which he does a lot. And we, if we even if we got down there uh, and build a bit of pressure, that the pressure on that kick on the fifth was just immense. And you saw a couple of charge downs, and uh, you know, and Luke Lewis is so good at it, um, just putting pressure on that kicker, knowing exactly like oh he's going to go to Pierce, uh, and rushing up. So there was a few bad passes there from dummy half, which you know he was trying to catch around his ankles and look up and see an absolute monster of a man uh, running through and putting pressure on him and it, <clears throat> what annoyed me what you brought up just before Liam as well um, the first question of the press conference what do you think about the officiating so Brownie hasn't mentioned anything about the officiating but the press seems uh, feels like it's it's there like you know let's tease this out so obviously the media recognises that that game was officiated poor and they know that Nathan Brown can't say anything about the officiating but they ask him directly about it they're dicks so it's like there's obviously like even like you know they talk about the media the media just like who are just spectators in the end uh and social commentators they're just like all right so we're going to try to get you angry and try to jeff to you and say you know that was ridiculous and you know the, the referee should be looked at but brownie knows he can't say it so it's just this big game of cat and mouse saying like i'm going to ask you the question that i know you can't answer even though I, we both know that the officiating sucked in that game but that's been the rugby league media in a nutshell this year everything they've done has been to to fire to stoke these flames of you know discontent and anger and you know they're asking all these people these questions they know they can't answer them yeah. if they ask uh, uh, you know any of the coaches they've interviewed oh are you coaching at this club next year and they're like well, i can't tell you even I if i was yeah. what, what the hell's the point and they're, and they're using that to just throw rumors around and say well we heard this but they can't say anything so they can't refute it if you you know if you go through the the various articles, especially around the officiating and the coaching, they've thrown every single possible thing that could happen yeah. just out as rumors that, oh, we, you know, we have some mail that this might be happening and no one said that it's not. Yeah. So it's happening. You know, well, that's not how this works. The onus is not on them to disprove these things that you're saying. The onus is on you to make sure that what you're saying is a true and accurate statement. It's it's a crazy game that we follow, isn't it? Like, it is, isn't it, Nagy? <laughs> Hats off for this week, Liam. Oh, Nagy. I thought it would never happen. <laughs> this is uh, this is an unparalleled week, ladies and gentlemen. Joshua King, for me, gets the hats off. He wasn't a standout by any means, but given the way he's played this year, mm. I thought he really stepped up. He had uh, 91 running meters with 25 mm. post-contact. He had a line break assist. He had three offloads. 27 tackles for only one miss. Yeah. But the biggest thing for me... Try assist. A one yeah. try assist. Yeah. That's incredible. And, I, I, you know, we've given him a bit of stick on here for maybe not being the player that we needed in first grade or not living up to potential. But, you know, on the weekend, on Sunday, he had the, the really solid reassured while not being spectacular front row game that we've kind of hoped he would have at some point. 
and he finally did it. So well done, Josh King. Very proud of you. Well done, Josh King. Yeah, it was uh, you know it was definitely his best game he's had this season, um, and he was he's been below par in a lot of games for a lot of different reasons, uh, and that's I think he brought himself back up to par. So it was it's sort of looking at him, you know, when you look at someone with beer goggles and you think, gee, they're attractive after a few beers. <laughs> um, we've looked at him, Josh King's form with sort of beer goggles now, just saying like, I tell you what, you know, uh, and any other day of the week you wouldn't really give him two looks, but tonight eyes are on Josh King, as opposed to people like us, yeah. yeah. Get their beer goggles on. Say, geez, you're still ugly. <laughs> Sorry, boys. You're still um, dog yeah. ugly. For me, for me, oh, look, there was probably uh, as you know, performance-wise, I think Mitch Barnett tried his guts out. Uh, yeah, he did. He ran for about 151 meters, I think. I think Plenty of tackles. I think that's a pretty. I think he's probably season high running. Uh, you know, running over 50 contact meters, mm. post contact meters as well. Um, Had to be shuffled around as well. So he would have. I think he moved back. He started on in the middle. And then move back to the edge. So, you know, there was a bit of moving around and he took a lot of really big runs. I thought he was very good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was good to see that um, that he was playing well. And, and he, just, he had the grid. He started a few errors in his game, but he was trying things as well. Um, you know, in, in a game that we, we had to throw a lot at them, I think he kept the energy up mm. uh, and it played well. I also, honorable mention to, to Corey Dennis. Um, yeah. Agreed. For um for first half, uh he, you know he he made some good early contact on uh, on Josh Dugan as well, like and and just Fafita was running at him a fair bit as well, and I thought yeah he held his own really well. He, you know they ended up they went around, uh, went around a couple the of King Co yeah. straight for two tries, but you know there was no lack of effort. I think Corey Dennis and Ken Co in the last two games have really really shown a good bit of improvement. If you look at that side that Cronulla plays with, usually with Matt Moylan in the side as well, it's pretty crazy the kind of talent they've managed to recruit and retain. Uh, you know, it was mentioned through the week uh, that they're, they're attempting to get the 2014 uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Blues side. Yeah. They're basically side. signing up Laurie Daly's Blues team. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite... Cause, you know, which the, is an interesting tactic because the they lost. The, yeah. Um, the, no, the 14, 2014 one. Oh, 14. One. Yes, yeah, yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Because like, uh, the likes of Matt Moylan, um, I'm not sure if he played for. He might play 2015. Anyway, yeah. He was after, yeah. He was after. So you got Matt Moylan, you got uh, Aaron Woods, uh, Fafita. Luke uh, Lewis. Luke Lewis. Wade Graham, I think, was in there. Yeah, he's in the mix. Uh, and then you've got Paul, uh, Paul Gallen. Um, uh, so it's the captain like of that the very captain team. The captain of the very side. So, um, <laughs> but then you look at, like, you know, Seguiara had a huge impact when he came on the field as well. And that's if they've got someone like Seguiara and he's only getting 25 minutes a game. So it's just showing you how much talent they have. Um, it's it's ludicrous, yeah. So to come up against, and then not Valentine only that, Holmes as well, Valentine, the, oh, yeah. he like, was unbelievable. Well, that was it. With about twenty minutes to go, we were still in the game, and then Val just flicked the switch and he said, "All right, boys, it's the Val Holmes show now." But the other thing was, you know, with all of that strike power, I thought the Knights nullified their kind of big names pretty well. Yeah. But then you just see. The uh, the unheralded players had a day, Kurt Capewell at center yeah, was incredible. Cool. He was making massive yards every time he ran. Sasai Fecky on the wing had one of the best games you'll ever see from a winger. Who was the other one I wrote down? There was um, Val Holmes, obviously yeah, shredded yeah. us. Young Kyle Flanagan had a pretty pretty good debut. He wasn't bad. Did what he needed to do, but he had the strike around him that he mm. only only had to do is give the ball to the players. Um, I made that sound very simple. All he had to do was give the ball <laughs> to the players. That scored the try. But at the end of the day, rugby league's a very simple game. It's a very simple game. Sometimes uh, played by simple people. <laughs> and podcasted about by simple people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> commentated on by very simple yeah. people. But that's worrying, you know, and I think that shows a lot about the Sharks that even if you nullify their star players, their best players, they've got players all over the park who can just tear you apart. Yeah, I think, you know, success breeds success. Um, mm. And... Those yeah, those that that's what's that sentence? Capwell, Capewell, Kurt Capewell, Capewell. Yeah, he he just tore us up as well. Mm. So, um, you know, but what I didn't like about the game officiating wise uh, was it seemed like there was a few times uh, where there was 
there was a call for an infringement in the ruck where it would happen, nothing, no whistle would be called, and then the Sharks players would appeal for it, effectively appeal for the for the a penalty, and then it was given. Mm. So, and it as soon as that started to happen, it seemed like our oh, obviously Sharks have, have taken ownership over this game, and that's who the referees have eyes to. In in a crowd of probably uh, somewhere between twelve and fifteen thousand, it's eleven and a half. Eleven and a half. Um, so in quite a, like a an intimate stadium, um, you know, with mood lighting and I <laughs> some, suppose you call it yeah, bales, a like, small boutique stadium. Boutique, they're calling them yeah, these boutique days. Boutique stadium, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they can make a lot of noise with that many fans there. So, it, you know, you you could say that there there was probably a lot of spectators, yeah, oaring and when when a player appeals, you know, they 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 tend to get that. But it was really highlighted for me, and I think we got a clip here uh, of. Um, for feeder taking the ball up um, for and then appealing for a crusher tackle and I think Elliot we've got a clip here um, so it's you know we're defending a line uh, it's it's coming to last for feeder nearly gets it it's a scramble it's down and now th- there's no penalty here and then obviously he grabs his neck uh, the ball goes down now that was replayed um and the, with the video ref, and then the ref said, oh, that, oh, that's a penalty. Now, that that didn't seem like a crusher tackle the way the rules have brought it in to protect the players. That seemed like a player that, um, you know, the crusher tackle in, in my perception is like, you know, you've got one player around the legs, another player up top, holding, 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 dropping from a distance, and then forcing pressure down on the back of the neck and on the, the, the tailbone. What this was was just an awkward incident where Fafita tried to burrow through close to the try line. He naturally ended up under Mitch Barnett's arm, and, you know, Barnett trying to take him to ground. He's got to bend out, bend out of shape a little bit. Yeah. Definitely not what we'd see a crusher tackle, but, you know, he's on report. He's going to go to the judiciary, and we could it could go either way. We saw Lachlan Fitzgibbon get two weeks for his fairly minimal crusher tackle and then Will Chambers gets three weeks for well, one of the worst I've seen. Yeah, exactly right. The, the, the Will Chambers one looks like oh, the, the one you want to keep out of the game. Like is the modern Just day. keep that whole man out of the game. Every, Will Chambers, keep that man away. Every year the players seem to find a new way. It was, you know, it was the chicken wing and there was the cannonball and then originally it was the grapple tackle working the neck around but then the the crusher tackle which, you know, no one wants to see a spinal injury you know, especially after... Um, uh, the, the horrible thing that happened to Alex McKinnon. And, you know, we want to get that out of the game and make sure we're protecting the welfare of the players. Easy solution, kick Melbourne. But <laughs> Notice these have all started down yeah. there in that wonderful city. They all love so much for reasons I can't understand. Get rid of them. Yeah. It's um, just, just take them out of the comp. We don't need them, Liam. We don't. We'll send them to Perth or something. But uh, hats back on, Nagy. Hats back on. I've got to give it to Danny Levi. I thought he had a bit of a shocker. You yeah. know, he threw the forward pass. There were some errors. Gave away a few penalties. He tried to play that niggling little annoying guy to Andrew Fafita and just got ragdolled. I think, you know, Danny's really, while Slade Griffin's out, he's really got to be pushing for that number nine jersey. He really needs to be, you know, putting his stamp on it. And I don't think he did that this week. I, th- You know, I it, it was an off game for him. And I hope he doesn't carry that, you know, into the end of the season, into the preseason. You want to finish on a high. So I'm hoping for a really big game for him next week because I think he'll be disappointed with that performance. I think he will be too. Obviously, he showed a lot of emotion to show that he you know, he was frustrated with the own performance. It was about, uh, about a 10-minute period where there was about three errors or bad decisions coming from Danny Levi. Uh, and, you know, he is like, you know, we forget how good of a player he is, I think, playing second fiddle to Slade Griffin and how well Slade Griffin played for the first two-thirds of the season. I think we just all sort of forgot about Danny Levi and he had to play probably 
um, a more pressured game to, to show that he was, um, you know, worthy of that number nine starting. And then, so I think he's trying to take ownership over it and probably taking a few risks, but he, he, he did lack some uh, some decision-making. Uh, there was times where we were building pressure and then on the fourth, he decides to run from dummy half to try to, to, to get the penalty, um, you know, to, and, you know, that's good intentions and it's that good grubby hooker that we like to have, you know, because when it, when it pays off, it's, it's a great result. But if you misread it, um, you know, and you've just wasted a tackle, but what really kills it, especially in a side like that, is that you don't have your hooker there in the fifth to give good delivery to your half and you have to get a back row or someone who's you know as soon as they're looking around for the for the half uh, you're like we're in trouble here we're in, yeah that's not good you need direction and and so you know there's that, yeah Danny Levi also my hat's back on for this week from mainly from that period that you know it was sort of the game was still up in the it end. was in the balance it was very much in the balance around that time and just and the forward pass came when we we had some momentum we're attacking their line and then forward pass to Guerra and. Boom, there goes the momentum. thought Edric Lee had a great game as well. Well, that was a shining, excellent signing. Shining light to see Edric Lee playing some good football um, You know, at this end of the season right before coming to the Knights. And we didn't injure him, which was nice. Um, We're very un-Knights-like. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, used, traditionally we would have gone out with a you know, trolley pole down the socks and <laughs> hit him in the ghoulies or something because that seems to be yeah. the Knights' want yeah, yeah, yeah. to injure players before they come to the club. But he tried his best to injure a few... Uh, Future teammates put on a few good hits. Yeah. yeah, he was he was a big force. He was definitely noticeable out there. And obviously, Chad Townsend finding him finding him out wide with a few floating passes. And you know they had that up and in sort of defence. And uh, I think Edric Lee just you know too big, too strong, too quick around the side. And um and you know the Sharks just having good direction to to know Chad Townsend every time that uh, defence came up and in to put pressure on. He just waited, waited and floated pass out. But he is a, a Premiership winning halfback. You know I think we often forget he played in that 2016 season so well. Um, and just uh, it adds to their huge talent pool. They're probably going to make a big threat in the finals, actually being a top side that's playing well in the finals, uh, towards the finals. So, Well, that's um, it. This is Cronulla's time of year. This is when they come into their own. This is where they start playing the footy. They know they can play. I, You know, I think they could be dark horses to win. Mm. They've just got so much talent. experience yeah. and talent, and, but it's the experience. It's an old, old team. But it doesn't feel like a granddad's army type team yet. No, no, they're old, but they've still got it. Also, I thought it was a really nice touch. Uh, They handled Luke Lewis's final home game really well. You know, it's good to see him. As much as it sucks to lose, it's good to see him leave Shark Park a winner. He's been one of my absolute favourites for you know pretty much since two thousand and three. Yeah, and to see him go out like that and get the the respect that he deserves from the fans and you know everyone hung around they cheered him off then cheered Chris Hyington off as well which I thought was a really nice touch nice touch I thought they handled that all really well and obviously the game was played under somber circumstances more to touch on in the news but I thought they handled the whole occasion of the day Cronulla handled it really well Um, another matter for the the Dragons entirely but we'll go into that more (laughs) later on we'll get into that in the news actually we're going to take a quick half time break and we'll be right back for the news and uh, and the sack Liam's Mm, sack we'll see you soon yum 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 see you in a second Jess Like, no, sorry, I was just coughing. They're next to each other. Welcome back to the second half of the Just. Just is uh, we got a huge news segment uh, coming up. Uh, Liam, do you have the time? Time for the news. Time for the news. Maggie. <laughs> It's it's a brimming news cycle. Uh, it is this one. The 20, still brimming. The twenty four hour news cycle really, uh, you know, uh, makes it difficult to, to talk about the whole news because it just keeps on flowing. It keeps happening, so I keep forgetting when I go to do my research to get the news today. What's happened this week? Or it feels like some of these stories came out months ago, but yeah. because of the twenty four hour news cycle, it was Wednesday That's when right. they came out. Now, first item in the news, Nagy. 
This is one we discussed earlier in the year. It's reared its ugly head again, if you'll pardon the pun. Dylan Napa and his horrible tackling technique. Now, yeah. uh, Elliot, I, I believe we've we got a clip, a clip here. Yeah. This is Dylan Napa's horrorifying tackling technique. You remember the last time he did this was uh, against the Broncos where he <laughs> broke Corbin Sims' jaw, and he's done it again against Andrew McCulloch. You can see he was knocked out before he hit the ground, the poor, the poor fella. He was uh, unconscious before he'd uh, touched grass. <sighs> and uh, Dylan Napa has been found guilty by the NRL Match Review Committee, and he's been given a three-week suspension. Liam, how'd you see the tackle? Shit ass. It was yeah. disgusting. It was really, really bad, especially given this is something he's done before. Yeah. And, um, you know, was told the NRL didn't, the Match Review Committee didn't, didn't punish him. him. Yeah. Todd Greenberg came out and said that was a mistake. He should have been charged mm. and that he needs to alter his tackling technique. He said no to that. I'm not changing my tackling technique. And he's almost killed a second person. It's reckless. It's stupid. It's... Highly dangerous, yeah. and the fact that he won't change his tackling technique for some stupid reason that no one can work out—he's going to kill someone. He's going to hit someone in the temple. They're going to die, and everyone's like, "Oh, but it was an accident." You know, it wasn't an accident. It was re- well, yes, it was an accident, but yeah. it was reckless. If you if you put yourself in a position where an accident can go so wrong like that, that yeah. is purely recklessness. Obviously, he's one of those players that that come out and, and really want to. You know, put that hit on. He's known as a bit of a hitman in the NRL, and you know he's he's been playing a little bit off the bench this season. Now he's got uh, a chance to, to to start for the Roosters, and they they're, they're playing reasonably well coming into this uh, final series. Or they've lost a couple, but you know how it is. It's um, so obviously he's got a lot of weight in his shoulders to to perform, and obviously he's just channeled that aggression incorrectly. And I have to 100% agree as far as you know, you can't make contact with the head, even if it is with your head. Um, it's these things can can happen. You know what I mean? But if that was a shoulder that would be a penalty if that was his swinging arm it would probably possibly be a send-off doing that sort of damage the fact that it was with his head um you know that that's the that's the difference and well that's that's the argument people have brought up they said oh well it's a head clash head clashes happen every week you send send other players for head clashes it's like well no but the other players who are suffering a head clash aren't generally leading with their head and their arms out behind them they're not hitting their head by doing yeah, there was yeah you went l- launching forward yeah it's yeah. Uh, and it's and it's it's one of those things you you know with, with this is not a game where people take dives um and to see a player that's knocked out before they hit the ground uh you know it, it's not nice it, to show how nasty they they thought that was when it happened live uh it wasn't shown at the stadium um yes <coughs> they, oh. um, yeah it's at the stadium they they saw no replay of that because obviously whoever was in the, the comms truck just decided no we're not going to show that on on television because it's a it's a family time it um, is a family time and a family game and that's the other thing like you know we it's taken so long to try to wrestle the whole rugby league is the thugs game uh out and you know and you know you can always say that we love big hits and that's when they took the shoulder charge out um you know and people were saying oh but you know that, that the highlight reel hits the shoulder charge and everyone looks at the the joel clinton sonny bill williams hit and thinking oh well you know if, they, if they're showing that and they've just taken it out of the game but basically that like i saw them they're taking it out of the game to avoid that uh the greg was hit on on dean young in 2013 ish i think it was um, i might be speculating but no was, i think you're right um but you know having him just you know putting <laughs> leading with the shoulder and hitting a man who's you know uh you know about half a foot shorter than him and and hitting him square in the noggin knocking him out and you see no one likes to see uh, a player like you know and that because it happened early in the season as well of Corbin Sims uh, even though a lot of nice players were probably silently golf clapping uh, <laughs> Dylan Arpa for, for breaking Corbin Sims's jaw but it's you know it's not something we want to see in you know heavy contact with the head especially 
this season, last season with the HIAs and the, you know, we're trying to look after the player welfare, as we spoke about before. Head clashes will happen uh, in, in, in heavy contact, but as long as you, you're not leading with the head. Well, that's it. And everyone's saying it's a head clash. It's bound to happen. It is a head clash. It is bound to happen. However, you still need to have a, you know, a semblance of risk minimization. So, yeah. so head clashes happen, but we're cutting down on the ways they can happen. One way a head clash can't happen is if you don't run into someone with your head, head yeah. as the primary you know, method of contact or whatever. So people say, oh, but it, head clashes are bound to happen. It's like, yes, they are bound to happen, but we're trying to minimize the manner in which they can happen and the frequency with which they can happen. And you know, a tackling style like that, you're going to do something like that more often than... If you change your technique to a, a more normal person tackling technique. Was it a send-off in your eyes or do you reckon a sim bin suffice? Oh, that's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, give it a send-off. No, look, he I, head-butted a bloke. He head-butted a bloke and took him out of the game mm. as well. And you can see how, how dangerous this could be if this was allowed uh, to continue on and uh, if you know, head, if you could lead with the head. And some blokes just have a hard head. Nate Miles did it for, for years. He did. Um, and, but, I, I, you know, I didn't... I can't remember too many hits like that from Nate Miles. I feel no, like he was leading with the head more, into the chest. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, his one. I remember Origin the the year he got a few put on his chin. He was just throwing his head around willy nilly. Yeah. But it was more working over the ribs. You know, it was like that. Remember in that episode of The Simpsons where they have the elephant? And he, oh, oh, with, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he runs with it. Yeah, yeah it was I, like that. I thought you remember when all the Homer like uh, relatives come and they put the pans no, see, on their that, head. Yeah, that was Dylan Napa's style. <laughs> whereas Homer, uh, whereas the um the elephant one. Yeah. yeah. What, who, who's the bloke we're talking about? Uh, Nate, Miles. Nate Miles. Yeah, he was yeah. more like the elephant one. Where he... Nate Miles was the elephant, yeah. And then, um, like that. I'm sorry if you users couldn't see that. Yeah, but... a lot of the time also the people listen to this show and they don't watch it. Well, um, you should watch it. It's great. <laughs> it's really good watching. It's a beautiful platform. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Harper, three weeks I think uh, is probably uh, what it deserves. There's people that are talking that should be more. Three weeks at this end of the season as well. Misses, he misses out on the final series. Uh, and if they do make the grand final, he might be back for it. But you know he's taken a you know the important part of the season out, and he has to sit on the sidelines. So if I they'd got him on the first one, three weeks would not have been good enough. But because they didn't get him for the first one, you know it's arguably his first offence of this particular offence. So and, three weeks is pretty. And what he's done now, because obviously everyone's talking about him, there's eyes on him now. <clears throat> so his tackling technique, he's just known as a guy that's that can be reckless with his tackling. So he's going to have to, um, you know. When everyone says change his technique, he's just going to have to, you know, aim, I don't know, go a bit lower. Like, you can't have that. If that happens again, they're going to call for him to get out of the game because he's, you know, tarnishing it. So Agreed. But, yeah, yeah so that's, uh, that's that. Next piece of news, and this mm. is a big one, Newcastle fans. The great, the greatest, the, great, the best, the, the, the eighth the immortal. Eighth. He will be coming out of retirement. Yeah. But, unfortunately, he will not be pulling on the red and blue. Now, Andrew Johns has been named to play in Warrington's physical disability team against the South Sydney Rabbitohs as part of the inaugural Rugby League Disabled World Club Challenge. So yeah. both teams um, have a side specifically for players with uh, physical disabilities. Yeah. Uh, Matt King and Adam Hills will be playing in the South Sydney side to play against Warrington. I think it's in Sydney. Maybe. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I know they're, they're touring a few games around. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, I like, I, not to say that I think Joey has, uh, you know, a, d- a disability, but he's, he's terribly injured. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely acquired some, uh, some pretty, pretty um, you know, physically demanding injuries over his, and life-changing injuries over his life, and especially with his neck. And, he, and I think he's just going to go out there as a bit more of a, you know... Um, an ambassador. An ambassador. Which I think is great. I it think looks, it's exactly what they, this particular game and this 
you know, format of the game that we don't hear much about. It needs an ambassador like that. It's going to give a lot of a lot of people are going to be watching this game because Joe Johns is playing. It adds it. legitimacy, Nagy. Yeah, it you, adds a lot of legitimacy to it. And you know, there's a lot of the players. You know, then there's a comp in, in Sydney as well with uh, the with the NRL as like you know under the NRL banner with some NRL sides of. Um, Playing with players with a disability, uh, playing a company. I follow them on Facebook. Follow them on Facebook as well. They're, they're, you know, some, there's some great stories and uh, coming out of there as well. And basically, you look at it as you, you've got players that either used to play the game and then they couldn't anymore because they've acquired a disability, or they're born with additional needs and and then they uh, they get the opportunity to to play sort of on on their level and play. Uh, you know, some incredibly tough football because these players still still love it. You know, love the game like everyone else. And I think a lot of players, uh, people had the opportunity to play when they were younger. Uh, and quite often, you know, tw- 10, 10 years ago, five years ago, this this sort of thing didn't exist. So it's giving people the opportunity to really get out there and uh, have a go, just like everyone else. So. And I hope the NRL really pushes it because for so long, you know, rugby league was, it was very one-dimensional. It was played by blokes and generally big blokes who were fully fit, and that was about it. But yeah. now we're starting to see, with a lot of work the NRL's doing, there's so many more avenues for people who aren't your traditional rugby league play. You know, yeah. we've got a women's comp now, which is amazing. Which, we've, yeah. we've got this physical disability league set up. I believe, you know, there's a few comps run for people with intellectual disabilities. So yeah. it's opening up rugby league, because that's, you know, one thing that rugby league's always done poorly. They've been very insular. Like, well, you're in or you're out. And if you're out, well, buggy. We're just going to yell at the people who are in. And it's opening up rugby league to so many people who, you know, wouldn't have been able to play in the past yeah. because they weren't part of the the catchment, I guess, of who can and can't play rugby league. In the end, it's a, it's a people's game, rugby league. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 followed by everyone, and uh, especially in the east coast of Australia. So, it, you know, it, it allows a whole new avenue for people to, to, to come and be a part of it. And, and you know, when you especially when you're sitting around the pub and sharing some rugby league stories of, you know, when you're just out there playing park footy, and it's it, it's beautiful because it doesn't matter. Like, it, you can have those same conversations no matter what grade you're playing. God knows I've got heaps of them, and I only <laughs> ever played fourth grade. So, um, the, the so it was, uh, you know, it, it's, it allows everyone just to be a part of it and, and join in the rugby league community. I'm looking forward to that game. I'm yeah. looking forward to watching it. I think it'll be a ripper. The more people who can play rugby league, the absolutely better. better. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. So I love it. Absolutely love it. Good Next on. item in the news. Yeah. Now, this whole furor around uh, regarding Kalen Ponga and yeah. uh, what some fans are calling him basically signing for the All Blacks. Yeah. I think the fans have gone a bit nuts on this one. So I'm going to kind of set the scene mm. as to what actually happened. Now, a few fans, I think, around the rugby league saw a soundbite of Ponga saying, oh, I'd love to play for the All Blacks one day. Mm. And basically took this as a tacit understanding that he's leaving us next week to go to New Zealand, join a super rugby team. It's not what it was. He, uh, during the game in New Zealand, he stayed over there with his family. Obviously, being a good Maori boy, he mm. did some work with uh, New Zealand's Maori TV channel, I think. And yeah. obviously, being New Zealand, they're going to... Uh, and him having a rugby union background, they're going to throw that question in. But it was at the end of about a 20-minute discussion. That wasn't... He didn't go there to talk about that. He didn't bring it up. They simply said, if you were going to play rugby union, do you reckon you'd play for the All Blacks? And yeah. him being such a competitive and you know high-achieving player, what's he going to say to that? He's going to say, no. No, I'd rather play, you know, subbies in Canterbury. No. <laughs> He's going to say, yes, of course I'd love to play for the All Blacks. You know, that's a dream. It's, One day, maybe, he didn't a, say he he's going to. It's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle of, uh, of, of you know, rugby union. Uh, of And that, that game is on, uh, especially the All Blacks, on a completely different stage, a world stage. Um, 
which rugby league you know can't provide. I do think there is a concern around this. Uh, when I say there's a concern, it's just managing his uh, sort of expectations and also uh, his uh, ability because you have a player that's obviously super talented. Uh, you know, people say that you know should he play fullback? Should he play five eights? He, you know, he could he could be Santa Claus if he wanted to. It, the man can do anything he wants. Also, when you look at that, he's uh, he because he's so young and so talented, twenty years old. Uh, you know, he's he played finals with the uh, with the Cowboys. Um, you know, hopefully he can play a grand final. But if he start ticking all these boxes of things to do in rugby league and achieving all these goals, um, you know, he, he's very well. He very, he's in contention of the Dally M this year uh, in his first real year, first grade. So you think like if he starts ticking these boxes so quickly in in one contract worth of, of playing in, in his early twenties, uh, you know, when he, if he wins an Origin series with uh, with Queensland, for instance, next season, God, oh, I hope not. God forbid. I'm just saying, like, if he starts ticking these boxes, much like Israel Folau did, uh, you know, comes on the scene, incredibly talented guy, uh, and high competitive too wins a series wins an origin series plays for his country uh, numerous times does a tour and you think well what else what else is there for me to achieve in this game i've sort of you know uh, i've done it bought the t-shirt and and i'm looking for other opportunities that opportunity at the at the time for some reason was going to play for greater western sydney uh and money 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 well, made that money happen. but like you, know, you, you could see the appeal it was like well you know he could stay in the game and and you know had that legacy but if anything he still really has that legacy every he's got a highlight reel that that you know and he managed to do that in about three years rather than 12 and that's it people still discuss israel falau he left rugby league an eternity ago and yet people still discuss you know how good he was what he did all his achievements. But I think the other thing that, the you know, people who have said all these things about him have forgotten that. We've still got him for four years. He's contracted till 2021. Yeah, three, three. But this is his first of four. His first of four. So, so he's still got him for another three years. Yeah. And he seems like the kind of player who wouldn't break a contract. So... The worry I that I saw everywhere. No, I, no, I don't no. get it. He's not. He's not breaking any contract. He's not, he's not showing. But you know, he's by the end of this contract uh, with the Knights, he'll be still uh, just still a pup. Like you know what I mean? Like he, he has opportunities elsewhere. There hasn't been any rugby league player. Like you know, Thurston's come out and said through uh, through the week that in, in 2010 he was nearly scouted to to go. Uh, play rugby union, and we remember, of course, when Joey was uh, looked at by the Wallabies very strongly. Yeah, yeah, in two thousand four, and look, you know, it's happened. It, it's just one of these games because we share like similarities with another code. You're right. You played foot. Yeah, I got my under the- no. I got my foot tangled in the court. I didn't know what was going on under the table. Uh, actually, I knew exactly what was going on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, That's why we can't have a glass table. If, if these legs could talk. Uh, <laughs> but it's just one of those things. Rugby Union is going to come after the top tier talent. Um, and, and, and that's what's going to happen again. But, you know, hopefully Rugby League, um, uh, you know, he treats him well enough to the fact that he enjoys still playing the game and, and, and falls in love with the game like everyone does and doesn't want to leave it and shows that he has so much more to offer. But- and and I th- getting nominated for the Ken Stevens medal as well, showing that he, he loves being a complete player, uh, both on and off the field. And uh, I, I think, you know, making as many people uh, happy as he does and doing all the work that he does off the field, I think that's going to also keep him in the game. And to, to a certain extent, the onus is on the NRL, the Newcastle Knights, and the fans of Rugby League and the Newcastle Knights to make this a game that he doesn't want to leave. We yeah. want to basically give him no choice by having the situation be that, you know, he's at the night saying, this is amazing. I love this. I'm never leaving. Yeah. So you can say all you want about, you know, the All Blacks may poach him one day, but what you really need to look at is let's, you know, turn our club, turn our game into the best game ever yeah. and he'll never want to leave. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now, okay. last item in the news. This is a bit of a sad one. Um, through the week, obviously, uh, Rugby League lost one of its uh, one of its 
great blokes. Yeah. You know, he was a great player. Lance Thompson passed away at forty. He he was one of the great guys of the game. You know, he came in to first grade seventeen. He was still in high school. Um, he just gave everything to rugby league. You, countless players have come out and said, you know, how good of a teammate he was, how good of a friend he was. He always busted his ass for both the the dragons and the sharks and. It was it hit me pretty hard because he was a he yeah. was one of the good ones. Yeah, you know, I really started following rugby league really strongly around that two thousand three four sort of time, and I remember he was one of my favourite players when um, playing for the Dragons, like because he was just you know that no nonsense forward, uh, and obviously he had uh, he had such a I don't know um, it was you could you could pick him from a mile away because he was so ginger as well, and he played like a typical ginger uh, head bloke and was just you know uh, tough as nails and and. Uh, week in, week out. Played five uh, City city Origin games for City as well, which I think is up there with, with probably um, one of the higher ones for, for the City country. I don't think too many players have played no, more. No, that's, that's quite a record. Yeah, and he, like, he was always on the, the top tier of, of uh, first graders. Um, and a yeah, week in, week out performer. And I think you know it's really sad to see players like that go at 40, so young. Um, mm. So, yeah, no, very sad to see. Let's rest in peace, yeah. Lance Thompson. And best wishes to... You know, He's everyone fit. surrounded by him, the family, and I know Brandy took it pretty hard. And yeah, 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 it's a tough one to lose. You know, one of the greats like that, very, very young. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Rest in peace, Lance. Mm. But uh, no, I think it's that uh, that time again, Liam. That where, time of the night where we can uh, we can put your hands slightly below the table and open up <laughs> that big mail sack of yours. Yes. Excellent. Now, very good sack responses again this week, guys. Thank you. Keep sending them in and we'll keep answering them incorrectly. First question, Nagy, this week comes from Cade McGregor-Hines. Now, Cade asks, does Nagy still pay his rent via ATM deposit? I'm a bit confused about this. Yeah. Tell us the story, Nagy. All right. Well, um, because it's... Thanks, Cade, for the question. Thank you, Cade, for the question. It's an excellent question. You see, I had to get my rent in time. <laughs> I used to get paid, and then I'd have to get my rent in by the next day. Okay. Now, right, and now new fancy pants banks, right, uh, would, would mean that I'd... You know, if I was to transfer it, it would take a day. Uh, so I'd get it in late. I didn't okay. want to get it in late. I was just transferring it to my housemate at the time, and I made want to make sure that they can pay rent on time, because that's the kind of housemate I was. A wonderful housemate. Uh, so <laughs> I was terrible. Um, and uh, But anyway... So, when you had the bunk? No, 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 a different okay. place. Uh, so it's um, so then there was on a couple of occasions just to make sure that they got the money in their account to pay the rent at the right time that I couldn't go to the bank and go. Can you put this in that, that person's account? Because they didn't do that anymore. They're fancy <laughs> pants banks. They and they have these fan schmanky. Uh, Schmanky fucking ATMs uh, that you'd. I'd go into the bank and they'd say, "No, no, you have to do it the ATM." Anyway, I, I did it a couple of times. Maybe got into a bit of a habit of doing it, and then you just put it through, and you could because you could deposit money in there, yeah, as well as withdraw. Okay, but I'd have to withdraw it and then put it deposit it in because I wasn't with that bank. Okay, all right. Well, I I lied to the listeners. I did know that story. I just wanted you to tell it because. I've never heard that before. It was because bloody Alex Taylor. <clears throat> I was Al Taylor's fault? Yeah, fuck you, Al Thank Taylor. you, Al. Cheers. <laughs> Next question. Daniel Turner asks, was losing Lachlan Fitzgibbon pivotal to our loss? I say yes. Look, it definitely hurt us. He's an 80-minute back row. You know, he forced an interchange and a bit of a reshuffle in our back row. And then, obviously, we lost Guerra for 10 minutes of the game as well. There was lots of, you know, and like Guerra, Barnett and Fitzgibbon has, has, has arguably been like, you know, the real backbone of the Knights. Uh, and when, when, we're, when they're playing well, the team's playing well. 
Um, you know, they're not perfect players. None of them are. Um, but, you know, they definitely try their guts out. And uh, you just look at how many tries that Guerra and um, and Fitzgibbon have scored this season, which is, I think Fitzgibbon scored nine or something. Nine tries, that's correct. Which is, uh, so, you know, obviously he's just, uh, you know, a young, just a, a big aggressive forward that can get over the line. Guerra is an absolute work- workhorse. And, you know, Barney's a bit of a bit of a loose cannon, but again, plays these big minutes, um, which you need to in this shortened um, interchange. So forcing these interchanges, very nasty head knock. Apparently, he's got no recollection of the game. None whatsoever. Um, which might be all right, looking you know, yeah. a bit further forward. Probably it was, for the best. It was, but yeah, and I was very worried about him when, when Tony A wouldn't let, you know, mm. was taking all the precautions and they asked for the stretcher. Also, funny, the Sharks don't seem to be able to afford a Medicab. No, yeah, no. It was, yeah, well, I noticed that when it was just a bloke carrying the stretcher. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bit worrying. Yeah. But then, but, I, but Manly also can't afford furniture or lockers. And we didn't discuss that in the news, but no. uh, maybe after this sack question, we'll go back to that we'll to and shit just shit on Manly, on Manly yeah. for a bit more. But I think he was, like, as we discussed, with the attack in the 20 going sideways, Lachlan Fitzgibbon would have been the perfect you know, foil up. to that. He would have straightened. He would have changed the, the point of attack. So, yes, I think losing him he's, he's was one of, absolutely pivotal. Especially for Mitchell Pearce, yeah, looking for a strike player. And he's mm. one of our strike players. Uh, so, yeah, that, that definitely took um, some of the heat off us. All uh, right. I'm putting in my own sack question. Liam McNeil <laughs> uh, asked that, as we saw through the week in the Daily Telegraph, some of the problems that Trent Barrett has had at Manly have been exposed. Okay. Now, those problems, if I can recall off the top of my head, Trent had to bring his own backyard furniture yeah. to, the, to, <laughs> to the ground to be used in the sheds. Yeah. Uh, Trent, his wife and his daughters, I believe, had to clean the sheds before he started the job. Um, I believe he had to bring more furniture to. So he's what? basically furnished Brookvale. <laughs> they, they said also that the players didn't he had to bring lockers. his own desk. Did yeah, the players. He had to bring his own desk to Manly to put in the what? demountables to work off. The players didn't have lockers, like you mentioned. A lot of them were getting changed yeah. in their cars. cars. Yeah, this is this is crazy. Like my I, question I, is, why don't they just? Piss manly off. Oh, well, I don't, well, apparently they've got <laughs> no money whatsoever. It sounds like everything's been, uh, re- like, you know, what is it when the repo guys come in? Repossessed. Repossessed. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like everything's been repossessed and, like, de-hinged and taken off the walls and things like that. Like, they don't have a bench in the changing room. And rooms. the funny like, thing is, Scott Penn, the owner, has, you know, obviously refuted these claims throughout the year where they've got what? no money. And he's he said to the press, like, well, I've, you know, personally invested $15 million of my own money into this. Where's he putting the money? Who knows? What's this money being used for at what stage it's not being used on players no except DCE it's all going to him it's not being used on furniture it's not being used on well I guess the rent they've got to probably pay the rent I don't know there's there's something there's got to be questions got to be asked but it's great to see this Manly's apparently a shithole isn't it now that is my other concern though the more I think about it the more rugby league needs Manly yeah because they're just so easy to hate hate yeah you need someone Um, to hate you need someone to hate I feel like Melbourne could fill the void if Manly get booted we'd all hate Melbourne it's Look, it's but just it's just like when you go to work, right? And you've got a team of people that you're working with. It doesn't matter what your job is. You always want to work in a group. And there's someone in that group that you just don't like. Uh, and they brings re- the group together. together. Yeah, it's a unifying hate for when you're like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I hate Carol. Like, you know, and then she'll just... Well, that's why we got rid of her. And yeah, Karen, Carol, God bless her. So that's just us with Carol. I've been we- calling her Karen. <laughs> so, it's all done. No wonder she, she was so awful towards <laughs> us. But like, you know, when you just hate them mm. and that makes your whole like... Because it doesn't matter what happened. You could, you could get really bad traffic on the way to work and then Karen fucking coughs and you're like, you're like oh Christ Karen you know, cover your mouth but you don't say it you just build up the hate and bitch about her after during the lunch hour which is such an important part of rugby league you know it came from such a tribal game it has to be you have to have those us versus them and mm. it, you know with the professionalism of the game and the way it's you know expanding and growing 
we're starting to lose some of that us versus them mentality. Yeah. So, you know, I think Manly got to stay, as much as I hate to say no, it, because you got to have someone to hate. They have to stay. Everyone though. needs someone to... And you know what? They hate us too. So yeah, that's right. It goes both ways. Excellent sack question, Liam. Thank you very much. <laughs> Next question from Marcus James Harborn. Marcus says, you thought the boys played with a lot of heart, but just couldn't build anything with penalties being double, a bit of a double standard, as we discussed earlier. Mm. Does this game show how much we depend on Kalen Ponga, our very own... <laughs> Pong Strong, hash- well, that was really that. Was. Hash- hashtag Pong Strong. Now Connor is re-injured. The uh, team next week will be interesting. Mm. Well, it looks like Jack Hogg has come back into the side against uh, in the home the the old boys game against the Dragons. Uh, uh, even though he, he requires foot surgery on his finger, he's been holding off because um, uh, he could get a late recall, um, which is interesting to see. Like that, Brock Lamb is not even in. The, they'd prefer to put a player yeah, out who's injured rather than Brock Lamb. So, which is what Nathan Brown said in the press conference. So there's a few players. Played against the Sharks, maybe couldn't, maybe shouldn't have, would have used an extra week, but that's the the point of the season we're at now. So Just yeah, look, digging up whoever we can to get on the field. Looks like Nick Meany's still going to play, but obviously he's playing reasonably well, scoring that try. He's been good. He's been good. He's been solid. Um, you know, it, it's it's huge losing someone like Kalen Pong. Out of any side, that's huge. Um, but obviously we've got the Dragons at a good time as well. Yeah, they've fallen to hell. So I think, yeah, having Kalen Ponga out injured definitely hinders the team, and then you pile on Watts. It's just the same. And with you know, that, where that's Slade Griffin, where we've got you know, the only one in our spine uh, that w- that w- is our first choice is Mitchell Pierce. Yeah, it's kind of the same problem we've had all year. But again, like you said, getting the Dragons at a good time because they are an absolute dumpster fire at this moment in time. <laughs> Justin Guion. Now, this is an interesting one that uh, got me thinking and looking through some past results. What is it about the Sharks that we just can't seem to get the win? Yeah, we just can't. You know what? They haven't forgiven us for sending them Matt Johns. <laughs> They've never forgiven us for that, I think. I think that's it. Uh, I think it was, what, was it round one, 2002. No, it wasn't round one. No, but the first game the, the Sharks played against the Knights in 2002, Matty Johns played. Yeah. He had a howler, got knocked out, dislocated his shoulder. 40, 42 nil, I think. And then was, the yeah. next, uh, the return game, I think the Sharks won by 60. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, yeah, it was the second Sharks game that year. They beat us sixty-two to fourteen or something, and well, then ever yeah. since it seems to have been no, they had sharks running up scores against. They us. had a period there, but it's been about since two thousand and fourteen. They've had the, mm. they've just had it over us. I don't yeah. know why. Um, like last year, the, it, the the two games against the sharks were quite close. Yeah, one was I think decided by a field goal. The other one was decided by a few points. Mm. Contentious as well. Two thousand fourteen, we won our first four games. We played the sharks, and then that that. That was our first game that we started this huge run of playing like absolute dog shit. So, um, and that continued on for years. So they could have <laughs> they could be responsible for a, a lot here. Um, and it's like they stole our soul, and then they're playing really well since then. Oh. Are they some sort of you know some sort of demon witch? Potentially, we couldn't rule it out. No. They're definitely a very unlikable team. Some sort so of to brand s- them with that. Also, a second part to Justin Guion's question: Do we think Guerra's sin bidding was justified? No, no, um, agreed. If you it, look at the letter of the law, repeat infringement. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was a ref- repeat infringements on bullshit calls. It was. It's the way that you know. It's it's they're waiting to for that extra one. As soon as they give that warning, they're looking for anything. They suddenly their eyes are just um, just focused in. So it's uh you know I, it wasn't justified whatsoever. You I, know what is justified, Nagy? What trip to the Commonwealth Hotel? I tell you what, I love that place. I was there on on Saturday night. Uh, uh, so some Knights alumni, I believe, were uh, in the venue. I like that place so much that I was there at uh I was there early and then I left and then I returned twice. So I was there. Two twice. times, two times, in one day, in uh, one lunar cycle. It's a bloody great place. And Excellent. It was filled with all all the who's who's of Newcastle too. It was, and uh, Nagy and me. <laughs> <laughs> I was there harassing all. See, of with 
Nagy and I were not the who's who, we're just the who. We're the what? The, the you <laughs> we're again? The why? We're the hey you behind the bushes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, no, no more of that. But it's, no. uh, it's a fa- fantastic venue and um, I might be in there tonight. Yeah, um, Moorish Mondays. Moorish Mondays is a fantastic time to go to the, the comedy. If you like us here at the Jouse, please like us on Facebook and you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes. Twitter. Twitter. All of them. All those. Google. All those pipes. You can Google, you can Google us, us. And you can find us as well. Yeah. Uh, but please, free. Yeah, make sure you buy your tickets for All Boys Day, best game of the year against the Dragons. I'm hoping to get you know, 20,000 plus there. It's going oh, to be huge. fantastic sellout. Uh, to see all the old boys going around the lap as well, uh, headed up by our good friend Stephen Crow. So it's going to be fantastic to see. Uh, and also um, possibly a very, very special guest next week. So keep your eye out for that one as well. Thank you, Justice. We'll catch you next week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Riding on the range, I've got my hands.